You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's here's your your host, Raj. Hello, welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Wednesday, a day late, but it's hey, it's not my fault, so I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> it's November 4th. We are going to have a fun episode, far more relaxed, because it's going to be one of our grab bag episodes where we just shoot the breeze about whatever the hell we want to. So how are you doing today? I'm in one piece. That's all that we can ask for. I'm, I'm awake. <laughs> there you go. Life is good, is what you're saying. <laughs> Did you see the picture of of the Waynes. I don't know if it was Comic-Con, but there was a couple that went dressed as Bruce and Martha Wayne with gunshots on them, and they would run up to anybody dressed as Batman and scream son and then collapse in front of them. <laughs> I've seen that before. <laughs> I mean, that's hysterical. <laughs> so that made my day today. I found that. <laughs> uh, before- what made my day was... Uh- did you see the little private video that uh, came out of Ryan Reynolds trick-or-treating as Deadpool? No, I didn't. Oh, my God. He's got a whole bunch of kids dressed up as all the X-Men, and he's just talking trash to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They actually just signed a – was it a four-picture deal that they did? For Deadpool and Wolverines or including Deadpool and Wolverine, something like that. Uh, there, That was just announced last week or beginning of this week. So yeah, I must have missed that one. They're not giving up on that, apparently. Well, so far from what I've seen, they're doing it right. Uh, I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> from what I've seen. Exactly. <laughs> There's a 90-minute movie. We've seen two minutes of it. Yeah. Uh, before we get into comic books... I can't talk about yesterday's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because we haven't watched it yet. And also, I wouldn't want to spoil it just the next day. But did you watch last week's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. That was the best episode I think they've ever done. That was Without spectacular. And I mean, I'm counting in like the early stuff, la- or this, not this season, last season, where Fitz was like having such a hard time and stuff, which that was fantastic stuff as well. And also when he was like screaming at the thing, the rock to get in and everything, like there was some great stuff. But we just watched that. Um, when was that? It was earlier this week anyways, because we had a DVR and we sat down and watched it. And I was blown away. Like I knew the potential was there in the show to do good things. The problem is, is that because it's a large ensemble cast, you wind up having side stories with characters that you really don't really care that much about or ward and shit that's just pain in the ass that you wish they'd be done with. But I, we, I've always liked, obviously, Fitz and Gemma are just great characters. But this episode would just really showed a what she can do, but also the team, the production team, director, writer, everything to, to put together something that was so well done. Absolutely loved it. And it's nice to see this season is really doing their own thing instead of just waiting for the movies. 
yeah. to to make a big plot point for them to jump on again. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've got the, the- – It's at the point now where the show is now setting up the plots for the movies instead yeah. of the other way around. Yeah, it's come a long way. I mean – it took it a few seasons to really get its footing, but I think that it's a powerhouse right now for them, and and that's great. It's absolutely loving it. I can't wait to watch the episode tonight. Mm-hmm. The other one is, and you can have your turn after this. <laughs> no, go right ahead. I, I guarantee you have more to talk about this week than I do. Did you watch the Supergirl premiere? I haven't, but I've heard a lot of people raving about it. So the episode two was – I can't remember. It was earlier. Two days ago? Yeah. I haven't watched two yet, but we sat down and watched one. And I have not read too much about it. I know that the episode leaked quite a while back, but I didn't watch it. And and I had read some people saying, listen, you got to look at what age group it's aimed for. If you didn't like it, that's probably because it wasn't aimed for you. And we've talked about that often on the podcast as well for comics. So when I, I brought it up to the wife and I said, listen, there's this new Supergirl show. We can watch it if you want, but it might be aimed for a much younger audience than us. So we might not really like it all that much. And, and she's always up for that. Like, I mean, hell, she was willing to watch Constantine with me in Gotham. So, so we watch it. It was actually really good. I would not put it on par even remotely with like Flash. I would actually not even put it on par with Arrow as it stands now. But it's been one episode. (laughs) That's a thing. Compare it to Arrow's first episode. (laughs) You know what? I don't know what it is about Arrow. Despite the fact that it is cheesy as hell, despite the fact that the acting is not always all that good, it's always been fun to watch for me. I've Mm -hmm. liked it since the very beginning. And even the bad episodes are like still fun to watch kind of thing. This was fun to watch too. And I liked some of the takes on it. Like Jimmy Olsen isn't like little dorky Jimmy Olsen with glasses. It is a hunk of a big black dude. This <laughs> is just like great voice, looks great. And that's Jimmy Olsen. It's like, oh, okay, why not? And um, the, the the problem was is that not even counting the, the, the little girly things, you know, like what to wear for a date and, and stuff like that, that as a grown man, you're like, oh, come on, just whatever. I can appreciate again, that's, based on who it's trying to appeal to for the show and whatnot. And I don't care, but there were elements where you're like, that was lazy writing to really set up why Supergirl finally comes out as, you know, a hero there. It it was just, there was a few points where you're kind of groaning and it was that superhero groan of, ah, God. You guys could do better than this kind of thing. <laughs> so it was completely expected. There were elements that I wasn't crazy about the direction that they're taking in terms of her relationship with Clark, which is pretty much non-existent. I mean, she headed to the planet. She got diverted. So she's not there in time to really protect him as he's growing up. By the time she shows up, she's a kid still. Well, not a kid, but a young teenager. And or is she... Yeah, she's still fairly young at that point, actually. Um, But anyways, and then she doesn't have really any relationship with Clark going forward. And it's all like she sees him as this in the same way that everybody else sees him. And it's like, eh, I don't really like that. There there would have been a, a relationship of some sorts there with them kind of thing. But the problem is, is that I really haven't read enough of Supergirl comics to know if that's canon or not. 
Mm-hmm. The ones that I read were New 52, where they kind of rewrote some things. I don't know how much they rewrote for her even. And even then, I didn't read it that long because I wasn't digging how it was being written. So I don't know if that's actual canon or if that's what they're doing for the show, but I wasn't digging it all that much. Or if it's just being done for the show as a means of keeping production costs down so they don't have to have a Superman because you really never see his face either, which I also thought was pretty cheap. You know, just (laughs) slap a dude in there and yeah, he'll be Superman. He just won't be very often. It'll be something he can put on his resume and feel good about whatever. Square jawed dude with a twist of hair going down his forehead. There you go, Superman. And you just see him from the back in weird angles. So, but I mean, overall it was good. We're going to keep watching it and I'm hoping that it really picks up. The woman who plays Supergirl is, is good. She's fine. She Really, she does a good job. It's a little, again, too cutesy at times, but whatever. She does good. And then Callista Flockhart is in it. Doesn't really fit my opinion, but eh, whatever. Hmm. So, anyways. So, go ahead with your first comic. Uh, All right. Uh, This is actually a new one. I just read it last night, as a matter of fact, because I'm running behind, catching up on some stuff. Uh, The first issue of Angela, Queen of Hell. Uh, we talked about how much we both enjoyed the Asgard Assassin series, and this is now spinning out of that where uh, Sarah is gone and is in hell and Angela is on her quest to rescue her. And it's everything we loved about that series. These nice. two really strong characters rising above to you know, going through a literal and metaphorical hell to get to each other. I really adore the writing. Marguerite Bennett has a fantastic style that fits the series perfectly. It's sort of like an old school, like it's, it's not, she doesn't write it like a comic, but that perfectly fits for the style of what they're doing here. And I'm really enjoying it. The artwork is again, fantastic. Lots of really cool concepts going in here. And of course, last page twists. So now I'm chomping at the bit for more. I opened it yesterday with every intention of reading it and then remembered, oh, crap, I've got Chew to read still. (laughs) (laughs) It had to take a (laughs) backseat. So I read Chew instead last night. But, yeah, I'm going to be reading that tonight for sure. That's it. Cool stuff. I'm actually going to tackle two, but just because it's going to be briefly and because it's recapping two that you talked about before. Doctor Strange number one. Mm -hmm. I really dug it. Actually, quite a bit. Like, not enough to go like, wow, this is fantastic. Everybody's got to be reading. No, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. When you had said that everything that Bacallo had done was leading up to this and was, you know, not nearly as important, I kind of went, oh, okay. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, that's pretty insulting to the amazing stuff that he's done. (laughs) Like, insanely insulting. And then I read this. (laughs) More importantly, I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, he's right. And, and that's saying a lot because you you just have to look back at the episodes where we've talked about Bacala's work and how much we love it, like everybody does and how much we fawned over it. And to say that you're looking at this and thinking, yeah, everything else was quite literally just leading up to this is pretty much the best compliment I think you can give him. It, it it blew my mind. I I was just in awe of every friggin' panel. Yeah. 
it's <laughs> it's insane just how perfect of a match he is for this series. Yeah. Yes. That's the other thing too. Like I I've been wanting a really good Doctor Strange series to mm-hmm. read. And I want it to be in the right writing hands, of course. But as we've seen with anything that land touches, I mean, even if you like the series, if the art really disgusts you, then it's no fun to read at all. And this is going to be one that I'm going to really enjoy reading now. Yeah. The other one that you had talked about was the Uncanny Avengers with mm-hmm. Deadpool. and Well, I read it. <sighs> <laughs> I pretty much thought it was kind of stupid for the most part. I did not enjoy it. I didn't like the way that he was writing Deadpool for this. Again, it was giving Deadpool. I won't, I won't disagree with that. Yeah, giving Deadpool. <laughs> it, it was way the way the other much. characters that were reacting to him. <laughs> and even that, that was kind of the stereotypical way that they always do characters reacting to Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And it's when they do it differently that I think he shines. And so this was just, eh, I I really didn't like it. And I'm sorry, but like, yeah, the art is interesting to look at and cool, but I cannot get over how jacked up everybody's muscles are, especially Spider-Man's costume. Like there's bumps where bumps don't belong. There's (laughs) like, when you look at the shape of the, there's a couple of panels where it looks like somebody was shaking the table as he's drawing Spider-Man. Like the bumps are just ridiculous. Like you're going that that's not even stylish anymore. That's you you're you're tapping your foot to music while you're doing art. It's just not right. So, hey, I'm no love lost there. I'm not going to be reading that one anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm not that thrilled with I and I know that this is going to be huge going forward. And it might turn into yet another Marvel event that I don't have the patience for. But this whole thing with the mutants being impacted by the Terrigan or Tetrigan or whatever the hell it's called, gas thing and all that. It was like, eh, I don't know how much patience I'm going to have for that. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. What you got next? Well, I'll stick with the Deadpool slant and the new digital series that Marvel's putting out. Deadpool and Cable split second. I loved it. <laughs> yes, but it's, was it good? That's the question. It's written by Fabian Nicieza, who's a lot of the old Deadpool <laughs> stuff, as well as the Cable and Deadpool series from the mid-2000s or so. It's not a strong story-driven comic. It's pretty much a humor comic, but I'm really looking forward to it. The way Nicieza plays those two characters off of each other it really works well. So as a fan of his previous work with the character, I'm on board with where we're going with this one. Hmm. Okay. I'm not reading it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read uh, Black Magic? By I, that was the next one on my list. Okay, well, I'll let you have it then. No, uh, go ahead. No, no, no. Because I'm taking two then. <laughs> 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 um, you know what? It's funny. I read this. And as I was reading it, and as I finished, it's not that I didn't like it, but it was like, it was set up overboard. It was, there was way too much there that 
was setting up future stories kind of thing. And I'm not just talking about the end where it's obviously just for, for fun kind of thing. Although with him, you never know what's going to happen, but I don't know. It just, I wasn't as crazy about this one as every single other issue before this. Yeah. I think if a lot of it was, um, we just had such a huge climax in issue 50. I, can't help but think that we couldn't have been anything but disappointed with this issue. I disagree because, and there's 50 issues to mm-hmm. prove that I'm right there. I don't know. It was enjoyable, but it wasn't anywhere near their strongest work. Yeah, no, it, it really wasn't. And it kind of relied on, and maybe it's because again, we're, we're looking at issue 51 and it's reaching that point of saturation now, same as The Walking Dead did, where you can only do so much. And so as the crazy, ridiculous stuff is going on, with the exception of the stuff with D-Bear, that was good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as the crazy stuff is going on, well, even the platypus, I will say, it was like, ugh, I, I see this coming a mile away now. And it's the the gag is not quite as funny anymore as it was the first half dozen times that we've seen this. So that was part of what I didn't like. And then on top of that, the we've seen him really shine with pretty much every character he writes. And that was the beauty of the series where it didn't always have to be Tony. We just loved it regardless of who was there. But this partner that she has with the cat ears was just not interesting to me Mm -hmm. at all, at all, at all. There was the funny little bits where she's tripping balls on the freaking skunk thing. But I mean, overall it was just one of those, it's, it was such a throwaway character that I really didn't care at all. And the whole bit with the, again, the secret service thing and all that, I don't know. There was, I, I really, again, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just that it was like, meh. And that's something that you really don't get from a chew. Yeah, I, I won't disagree. Yeah. All right, go ahead with uh, Black Magic. So yeah, Black Magic. I loved this. Did you? I really enjoyed some aspects of it. Okay. However, I'm kind of holding back judgment until we get at least a few more issues because mm-hmm. it falls into far too many cliches of the cop that practices magic or somebody who works with a cop who practices magic and and stuff like that and that was pretty much the entirety of this first issue so well, yeah it was a very very slow burn oh of an god issue yeah. before well literally anything happens but i i just really got engrossed in it i i liked the the, the bit of humor in the starting scene of this you know the cell yeah. phone at the ceremony but i i loved the artwork in this with it being that full black and white with just those touches of color near the end for the actual magical effects. I felt that was very well done. I I liked just overall the art was really strong and it's, it's it's interesting to me. It's different enough that uh, I'm definitely checking out the second issue. Yeah. I'll I'll keep reading it. And, and I, I enjoyed it, but wasn't, again, overly enthusiastic about it either. I just Mm. felt that – I feel that the premise is really cliched. 
really, really cliched. So it's, I don't know. I don't think we've seen enough of the premise at all yet, though. This is just the basic setup. Like, there's obviously far deeper that they're going with this. Well, yes and no. The premise for me being the cop who practices magic on the side, who's a witch. So, I mean, if he's if I don't think he would have spent as much time as he did in this first issue laying that groundwork down if that's not going to be a major plot point going forward. I don't know. So, yeah, again, it's it's what he's going to do with it. And we'll go from there. And I agree, though, the art was really, really quite cool. Okay. Groot number five. I was actually a little behind with this one. I, I got busy with everything else and I hadn't read it. I hadn't yeah, read it. Yeah, read, I read this one a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not. But it was ending that story arc where he got rescued by the losers of the galaxy and Groot was tiny and kicking butt and digging names. <laughs> and then when he gets that that injection of like the growth, the solar grenade, and all of a sudden he's like, yeah. massive and i was going yes <laughs> i really freaking dug this issue it was again I, I i love this series so much it's so well written and the the art is again so much fun to look at and, and it's not just the pencils and inks but man the colors in this series which i'm pulling that up now colors are by vero gandini colors are amazing in this series i absolutely love it so yeah it was i really dug it yeah and uh, who would get that emotional over a robot <laughs> me that's yes, the yes, answer to would. that question <laughs> <laughs> all right what else you got uh star wars stuff I'm the so Darth, behind. Oh, Darth Vader is reaching such a tense tipping point. We know the big crossover is coming up called Vader Down, but all this stuff going on of him running this side yeah, job and, and trying to get back at the Emperor and investigate about Luke and all that while having you know, Sherlock Holmes <laughs> trying to find out what's going on. The tension between those two of Vader trying to stay one step ahead of him and us as the readers knowing that this investigator knows exactly what's going on. He just can't do anything to Vader without proof. And if, God, if you haven't read the latest issue, I'm not going to tell you the lengths Vader goes to <laughs> to protect his secrets, but man, it, it, it and it also drives home the point where as much as we're cheering for the guy, Vader's still an evil jerk. <laughs> I, it's, we've said time and time again, it's easily the strongest of the Star Wars line and it's only getting better. Well, I mean, the, the main Star Wars series is getting better as well. Yes. So I think they're all kind but of Vader really is keeping pace ahead. <laughs> yeah. Nah, no, what I mean is that they're all kind of settling into their groove i'm a little behind on them right now but mm -hmm. i have noticed the ones that i'm reading too they it is they're really settling in and really freaking shining and which is funny because and, and it's not to sound negative about them or whatever that my my expectations aren't high but 
I mean, Disney buys something out and starts pumping out a crap load of their product. It, it thinking, easily could have been layup. Yeah. And it could have been, oh, this is going to be horrible, but it's freaking awesome. So I was like, okay, great. Did you hear about the slave Leia thing? This is yes. huge right now. And it's like about <laughs> goddamn time. I can imagine there's probably a ton of misogynistic nerds right now that are furious, but I'm like, of course they are. God, because I've, I've told this before. I've had this conversation with my girls. Thank God they never dress like this, but I have with women and I keep going back to the idea of, I don't understand how a woman would want to wear a costume that was meant to sexually degrade a woman as, and enslave her. Why would you willingly put that on other than just to show off your body? But you can, there's a lot of other costumes that allow you to do the same thing that are a little bit more empowering than this. Yeah. So some, some of the toys even have the collar with the chain around the neck. It's like, come on. So yeah, when they announced that, and of course it's all hot on the heels of, of Fisher talking to, I can't remember the name of the other woman saying, do not let them put you in a slave costume. And I was going, <laughs> you go girl. Good on you. Did you uh, read the first couple of uh, Spider-Man 2099s? I read the first one. I haven't read the second one yet. Not really digging yeah. where they're taking Miguel. <laughs> kind of a just callous jerk that's given up on doing anything to help. Well, of course, that doesn't last too, too long. At that point, he just becomes ridiculously out for revenge. But eh, I don't know. It seemed pretty. I like the idea of going back periodically to see if what he's done mm -hmm. has changed his future. I thought that was a neat element. Of course, they underused it, sadly. But uh, but we've had enough time traveling for now to last us a little while, I think. <laughs> but I don't know. I'm I'm kind of. I don't know. But the, the thing is, is that even when we were reading it before the reboot, it was kind of like some elements were right. Yeah, it was up and down. It was some that was pretty shaky. And this is kind of following the same thing, I feel. Mm -hmm. So, okay, right, what else you got? Well, I'm going to stick with Star Wars and the Chewbacca miniseries. Right. I think this is their first miss. I haven't read it yet. Mm -hmm. It's It's just not interesting to me. Like, We've talked about how all these series that they're going on, the biggest success is they're using these series to establish new characters in the universe. And of course, with the Chewbacca comic, you kind of have to do that. <laughs> and it's like the the new character, I don't even forget her name. She's like, it. it's just a very kind of cliched, oh, I was sold into slavery. You need to help me go back and rescue my dad sort of storyline where basically Chewbacca is nothing more than a prop in the story. <laughs> and we know the guys at Marvel can tell a really good story with a character that doesn't speak words. Yeah. <laughs> we just talked about yep. it. <laughs> and it's just, it was boring. It didn't grab me at all. Like it was over and I was – when I finished the first issue, I was like, thank God I can read something else now. Oh, that's not good. Like, it wasn't bad. It was just boring, which I mean it's honestly, that's good. almost worse. Yeah. Yeah, really. Okay. All right. Because we're going to be wrapping up in a minute with these here, I'm going to actually group in four. Yeah, and lightning one, round. <laughs> yeah, one lump sum. The what ifs for infinity. Have you read ah, any of them? No, the last couple what if things they've done were a little weak for me. So, so there's Dark Rain and humans. Uh, 
um, Thanos and X-Men. Those are the ones I read. I'm sure there's more. I think those are the only ones they put out. Is it? Okay. I've always kind of been a sucker for the what-ifs myself. uh, So have I, but the last couple years have not been kind. I'm not going to disagree. The Inhumans one was interesting, though completely predictable kind of thing. Until the end. The, the, the... Which I, I actually won't spoil, just because it was one of those. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like, I like what you did there. The, but the the lead up to it is fairly cliched kind of stuff that we've seen in comics before, kind of thing. Basically, mm-hmm. him just having to feeling he has to work with Thanos in order to him being Black Bolt um, save the Inhumans. Meanwhile, everybody else kind of either dies or the world turns to hell. But he did what he had to do for the Inhumans and worked with Thanos. So. Again, a lot of elements, which is like we've seen this over and over again. But there were some cool parts throughout. The art was really quite good. and But the end the end made it worthwhile. The end was like, oh, that was kind of cool, actually. So, And it's one of the few times where that character came out. And I went, I always hate her for the most part. But it was like, oh, that was neat. That was actually kind of cool. <laughs> Thanos was him joining the Avengers. <laughs> okay that's a good what if (laughs) and it was one of those like because it's basically he's being told like this is there's it's emperor Rasan or however the hell you pronounce his name saying listen you don't have a choice here the builders are going to take over there's nothing you can do you have to work with him and that's just it so thanos becomes an avenger and of course thanos is thanos so he's going to screw him at first chance he gets and there's these weird scenes where he's fighting with Thor side by side and they're both looking maniacal and stuff like that and you can see the influence he's having on him and you go like eh, okay whatever I don't know I, I parts of it weren't bad <laughs> but there were a lot of parts where it's like once again it was like well, that is fairly predictable kind of worth it for part of the end though and because, again, I don't want to spoil these but parts of the end. You're like, OK, well, that was that was a little cute, but meh, whatever. I think part of the problem for me is that and that really taints my opinion of a lot of different events is that really Thanos for me is not all that interesting. Mm-hmm. So these here where they change them up a, a little bit can be more interesting. But a lot of times in these what ifs, it's not that Thanos has changed. It's that everybody else reacts to him differently. Right. And more that's often than not, it's accepting said, him. I like Thanos not as a character, but as a plot point. <laughs> and even then, the um, X-Men one was basically a big old X-Men versus Avengers again. But the surviving X-Men and surviving Avengers out in space and and a double cross and a, somebody who's controlling somebody and all of that crap again. So... I have so freaking had it with X-Men versus Avengers crap that I muscled through this, but it was like, son of a guy I've had, come on, you people can write more original stories. The X-Men fought the Avengers. Yeah, really? That would be a hell of a story. Someone should write that crap down. God. And then the dark rain was Osborne and he has an infinity gauntlet. And so he's like going through time and messing with his old man. He goes back and gets his old man who was apparently abusive. I don't remember reading that, but I'm sure it was in there somewhere. 
and he's showing him everything that he's accomplished and this and that. And one of the cool things is like Osborne gets an infinity glove. What's he going to do? He's going to relive the moment where Gwen's neck snaps on the bridge <laughs> and force Peter to live through it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And it was like, okay, you really are an evil, evil <laughs> bastard. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then he goes up against Thanos at the end. So it was, uh, it was a little bit more fun at times to read. If you're a Osborne fan, then you're likely to enjoy it probably quite a bit. And the ending was actually one where while I saw it coming, because it was a what if they could do it, and it was like, nailed it. Thank you, bingo. You did what you were supposed to do. And so it's worth reading for sure. All right. So you got one left? One left. Do it. The Green Lantern Lost Legion. Now, why would I read issue five of a comic that's been announced as being canceled, especially when I haven't read the first four? <laughs> Because this is actually, uh, when this wraps up, this is going to be the jumping on point or that they're going to continue this in the Tom Taylor miniseries. So I kind of want to have a little bit of familiarity with what's going on there. But I didn't check out the first four issues. Like, eh, let me just take a look at this. Might go back and check out those first four issues. Really? <laughs> I, was just, I was just so Green Lanterned out of yeah. how many times have I tried a new Green Lantern series and been disappointed and so... I, I kind of avoided it, but I, I figured I would check it out because I'd heard it's actually pretty good, and I, I really liked it. It had, you know, it's the basically the entire core has been kicked into another dimension or whatever. That's why they're missing in the core Green Lantern comic. So they're separated from their power batteries and have to, you know, really. It has that great Green Lantern, like the core themselves of them having to really work together and overcome insurmountable odds and those great hero moments that we've loved over the years. So this is actually the first Green Lantern comic that I've legitimately enjoyed in a while. Like there's been some that are like, okay, yeah, it's not bad. I liked it. This one just, you know, having Guy and Jon Stewart and Kilowog and Arisa and like all of the the lanterns that we've come to know over the years just kicking butt. I liked it. Awesome. Okay. I'll I'll make sure to check it out then. Okay. New releases for the week on the Marvel side. I'm just gonna group the number ones together. We got Avengers versus Infinity, Deadpool, Drax, Hercules, Extraordinary X-Men, Howard the Duck. Uh Max Ride, Ultimate Fight, Ultimate Flight, sorry, Nova and Vision. And then we also got Spider-Gwen number zero, which I have no idea what the hell that's oh about. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whatever, we'll see. And then we got Amazing Spider-Man number three. We've got Doctor Strange number two. We've got Invincible Iron Man number three. Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy number two. And Star Wars number 11. And most importantly, and hopefully it'll be good, Uncanny X-Men number 600. It finally exists. Yeah. On the DC side, we've got Batman Arkham Knight number 10, Detective Comics number 46, Harley Quinn and Power Girl number 5 of 6, and then a couple of the Dark Side War ones for you, Superman and The Flash, and then Unfollow number 1, a new one. From Image, we've got Citizen Jack number 1, brand new one from Sam Humphreys. Actually looks like it might be interested. It looked pretty funny, yeah. Monst Monstress, Monstress number 1 from mm -hmm. Marjorie Lou. Which looks interesting and probably has the most beautiful cover I've seen in a oh, long God, time. Oh, God, it's gorgeous. Unbelievable. 
Paper Girls number two. I haven't read number one yet. I have it, but I keep hearing great things about it. Velvet number 12, and we stand on guard number five of six. And then from everybody else, we've got Joe Golem, Occult Detective number one from Dark Horse. Looks like it might be fun. Something new. Make sure to try it out. There's a new James Bond, actually, mm-hmm. from Dynamite, and that's uh, Warren Ellis who's writing it. Yeah. So that might be interesting. Sherlock Holmes and the 7% Solution number four or five. When that wraps up, we are so talking about it. Because <laughs> I think I missed issue three. I got to go back now. Yeah, I've been reading that. And then a for those who like Doctor Who, the eighth Doctor, number one of five from Titan Entertainment Group. And that is going to wrap up the episode for the week. Thank you for joining us. You can find the show notes, of course, at commonbookinformer.com. And you can find us on Twitter at CB Informer. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Leave us some reviews and let us know what you think. And we will talk to you guys next week. As an additional note, my episode on All Comics Considered has actually just aired today. So if you are curious about that and you'd like to hear me and Marty and Hannah and Nick shoot the breeze about a variety of things ranging from different new comics to podcasting to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and movies, make sure to go to allcomicsconsidered.com and check it out. It's issue number, or issue, sorry, episode number 23. It was a ton of fun. I think the episode came out really, really great. And we talked about a lot of things that actually we don't always cover on this podcast. So it was a lot of fun. He did split it up as he said that he probably would, because again, we talked for two hours. The episode that contains everything that I talked about in terms of Secret Wars and the conversation really branched out from there. That stuff is going to be later on because they're going to have an episode dedicated to the wrap up of Secret Wars when eventually it does wrap up and they're going to use that uh, recording for that. So when that comes out, I will make sure to let everybody know and they can go and listen to it. But go and listen to this first part and make sure to leave them a comment. And I have not actually closed the little contest for the $10 comicsology. So make sure, go listen to either 22, 23, whatever. Let me know. Send me an email to Raj at comicbookinformer.com, R-O-G at comicbookinformer.com. And like I said, I'll pick a winner and you get 10 bucks on comicsology. Make sure to stop by comicbookinformer.com and let the guys know what you think in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out Popcorn Ronin, a bi-weekly movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast.